The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks, your climate focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, just longing for the day I can turn off the AC, open the windows, and even, I know this is pushing it, but I'd love to wear a sweater. Today, I have two special guests to share with you. Beth Mallow and Bruce Moreland are both passionate about climate change and passionate about civil discourse in this country. One of them identifies as liberal and the other as conservative. I won't spoil the surprise of which is which. They are both committed to addressing climate change as members of the Citizens Climate Lobby, and they're both dedicated to restoring civility as members of Braver Angels, a citizens organization united, uniting red and blue Americans in a working alliance to depolarize America. In fact, CCL has a Braver Angels action team, which is how the two came together. And together, Beth and Bruce embody more of what we need in this country. So listeners, stay tuned. They are coming up next. Listeners, welcome back. As promised, I'm here in a Zoom conversation with Bruce and Beth, Braver Angels. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So you are both committed to bipartisanship, to reaching across the island and having conversations that aren't rooted in sort of the bitter partisan rancor that we see today. And I thought that maybe um, you could just Talk for a second about the importance of the work Braver Angels is doing and why it is important that we're having these conversations. Okay. Bruce, go ahead. I will start off by saying that I've been an activist for a while now, and I happen to be working on bipartisan solutions. So I'm all about, you know, both sides of the aisle being engaged. And we know that if you have a monoculture uh, you tend to be a little bit more extremist, and you also tend to lose support. And you can pass something temporarily, but you know the the winds change, and then your your changes get thrown out under the bus or whatever you want to put it. So bipartisan solutions are critical. And when I, I happened to be at the ground level when Braver Angels was being formed, the founders used my Rotary Club, in fact, as test ground for some of their processes. And I immediately saw the need for that kind of stuff to be brought into my organization. So I've been working ever since then. And Beth and I have been having a great time bringing braver angels sensibilities into our politics. And into the Citizens Climate Lobby, right, which you both are a part of as well. Yes, uh, into Citizens Climate Lobby. And uh, I assume that your listeners all know that Citizens Climate Lobby is a nonpartisan 150 or 200,000 strong set of volunteers that uh, works on climate change and has a very conservative friendly solution that they lobby for. And uh, we are great partners with Republic EN. Uh, when we have our conservatives only, we bring in Bob Inglis to talk yep. to us and we have a big happy fest. <laughs> 
And you guys used to have a June, I think it was in June conference in Washington, right? Or a fly-in where you'd bring your um, volunteers. And there was always a um, conservative caucus happy hour where I would go and get to meet some of the conservative caucus in person. We don't, you know, even before the pandemic, I didn't do a lot of in-person socialization because I work from home and even our republican.org team is really um, kind of spread out around the U.S. So it was always nice to have a convening purpose. And I look forward to having that again at some point, maybe in 2023, you can be in person. Yes, we were glad to get back to in-person. One of the draws on the in-person is the organization is able to organize 535 face-to-face lobby meetings with the members of Congress. It's one of our biggest strengths. And uh, so we send in teams. We try and send in mixed teams if we can. But it's really nice if we can have a conservative voice or two, especially going into a conservative member of Congress office. Yeah, for sure. It makes a difference. Having worked in those offices, I can tell you it definitely makes a difference. Let me ask, Beth, do you think that we are at peak polarization right now? I hope so. <laughs> I hope that it doesn't get any worse. I I think that we we have a lot of work to do. And I've heard people say that it may get worse before it gets better. I think what I'm heartened by is that there are so many organizations now, not just Braver Angels, but um, I don't know, I guess Bill Shireman has an end this together and there's table talks and there's living room conversations. I mean, there's like hundreds of them now. When I was looking for something to join after the 2016 election, the only thing I found was Braver Angels. So we've come so far with all of these different Group. So I take, I take heart in that, that even though there's a lot of polarization, there's also a lot of people who are trying to learn how to work with each other and talk with each other yeah. across the political divide. So that's a good question. What are some of the tactics that Braver Angels uses to facilitate that rise, you know, rising above the partisan rancor? I'm going to say first, it's based on family counseling. The guys that started it were family counselors. So they're using family counseling techniques. And they have several different kinds of workshops to teach skills. And Beth, my partner here, has taken those workshops and tailored them to the Citizens Climate audience. But Beth, I'll let you describe the workshops that you've been working on. Yeah, so we, first and foremost, love to train people and CCL has been great about having their volunteers work with us. We've trained more than 2,300 volunteers in uh, the workshops and we not only have works and I I should say I moderate them and I've also been fortunate enough to design some workshops specifically for CCL uh, using some of the Braver Angels Uh, workshops that already exist. And in addition to learning how to talk directly with people who are on the other side or differ with us on climate solutions or whatever, we also put a lot of emphasis on depolarizing with it. So in other words, talking to people within your own peer group, let's say you're um, a conservative talking to other conservatives about liberals or you're a liberal talking to other liberals about conservatives and learning how to kind of bring the temperature down, get some of the anger out so that you can, you can 
basically row in the same direction with, with others. And, and that's super important in CCL because we all care about climate change. We might differ on solutions, um, but we all want to work together to advance uh, mitigation of climate change. Yeah. And, um, you know, Catherine Hayhoe talks about finding that unifying thread that brings you together with someone. So instead of highlighting what's different or where you disagree, finding the common thread to use as an opener for the conversation. Exactly. exactly. And I love, I love that because one of the things I tell folks is do what Catherine Hayhoe does and find something in common. And then I also add and also take the opportunity to say climate change is a bipartisan issue uh, because everyone's affected by the heat. Everyone's affected by severe weather. Uh, We're all in this together. And a lot of people are surprised. They're like, I thought all Republicans thought that climate change was a hoax. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not that way. It really isn't. And I think it doesn't help. Like if if a Republican hears that, they're going to be like, well, I don't know. How do I believe in this if everybody I know doesn't believe in it? And then if a Democrat hears that, they're like, well, it's useless. It's hopeless. I might as well go home. But if people hear that other people, um, even if they're not part of their political party, believe that there are solutions to climate change and we can work together. It makes a huge difference, I think. I think it's Catherine who said that thermostats don't um, know whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. We're getting warmer. Um, so I want to pivot a little bit to, um, you know, right now at the time that we're recording, um, I think people are kind of holding their breath, seeing what's going to happen with this um, Joe Manchin package, for lack of a better name for it. I think it's called the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, but this package, this budget reconciliation, which is a really nerdy term, listeners, um, to mean the process that the Senate and the House go through to pass a budget every year. And in the Senate, what's rare about it is you only need 50 votes instead of the 60 that you would normally need to break a filibuster to get Um, a bigger climate package through. So right now you have a 50-50 Senate, but Democrats have the gavels, have the power. And so they are using the budget reconciliation process to include a lot of um, climate-related provisions. In fact, um, a lot, (laughs) for lack of a better word, I think $369 billion worth. And um, so... I didn't prep you for this question, and I definitely have thoughts about this package. Um, number one being that it was done; it's being done in a very partisan way. So whether or not you agree with some of the provisions that are in it, the process is sort of riddled with partisanship. But, but what do you think coming at it from CCL? You know, there's no price on carbon in it. There's no carbon border adjustment. How are you looking at this package in terms of progress? Well, let me let me speak for myself rather than CCL here. Um, Personally, I really would have preferred a more bipartisan approach to climate and environment rather than reconciliation, because even though I like parts of the bill, I'm frustrated, honestly, about the process. And I get how conservatives who are pro-climate and want to be at the table would also be frustrated. And I also think that 
legislation, they t- we talk in CCL about durable legislation, right? And the idea that when you take both parties and you work together on something, it's going to be stronger because you get the best of both sides. Uh, so that that's my, my feeling. I guess I'm a classic liberal with a small L. I believe that <laughs> in this melting pot or this marketplace of ideas. So I think any legislation is going to be better if you have both sides involved. I feel like with that said, there are some policies in the bill from what I can gather so far. I'm still learning about it that are pro-business and conservative minded, like all these tax credits to accelerate clean energy and um, support American innovation um, by giving um, funds available to companies that innovate new technology. So I think all of that is really great. And if we could get this in place, it would be a really great start. And then I think if we could follow it with some bipartisan uh, legislation, which I would really love, and I know CCL would agree with me here, as, as would Bruce on the uh, carbon fee and dividend with a carbon border adjustment mechanism, because, um, you know, I feel like what this bill is doing is stimulating clean energy, but there's no disincentive to fossil right. fuel. And the, um, the carbon fee and dividend with a carbon border adjustment would then do, would, would kind of put more incentives in for good energy and less for the fossil fuels. Yeah. And I hope that's bipartisan. I really do. Now continue on the Eco Rights Speaks podcast. Visit republicen.org online to sign up and stand with us. Jump in and agree with Beth. I really wish it was bipartisan, but I know the reality on the ground in Washington right now is not for that. Um, I don't know if you guys, I'm assuming that we're all familiar with or have heard of the uh, clear, clearpathaction.org. Yeah, yeah. And there are six pillars. What mm-hmm. I'm looking for right now is ways to see if if any of the actions on the six pillars align with parts of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act in a way that can help Republicans move forward. As, an, as a Republican, I like to look at the clear path action statement as being an open door and a green light. And the open door says, yes, we've got to take action on climate. It's our problem. We've got to start fixing it. And the green light is that we're going to have some bills and some actions that are going to actually make us move forward. Now, the question is, and this is a political question, does it help to have people compare clear path action, which calls, for example, for regulatory reform and permitting reform, which is another way of saying it'll be easier to get things going like nuclear plants or, the, you know, we're going to need mile, thousands of miles of high power lines to move energy around. Absolutely. So when ClearPath is calling for, you know, reform in that area, and that aligns with the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, do I want to point that out? Because if I do, I can say, wow, we're getting bipartisan action here. But at the same time, because of what Beth was talking about earlier, the echo chamber effect, that can damage the right if they are seen as being on board with something that came out of a monoculture on the left. Yeah. And so I'm actually trying to find guidance from you know, organizations as to how they would feel. it. For me, I think that the issue is important enough that I want to draw the connector mm-hmm. me personally. But I do know that 
the CCL may have its own thoughts on that. I know that Republic might have their thoughts. I know that ClearPath may have their own thoughts. And I'm trying to find out what they think. <laughs> I don't want to throw a monkey wrench into the works because right. I'm excited. Yeah. And I think that you just kind of hit the nail on the head. The process itself is partisan, but the contents of the process might be something that both sides would like. And Bob Inglis, our executive director, he was quoted in the um, Christian Science Monitor this week, the week that we're recording. And listeners, I will um, definitely link that in the show notes, that article. But he did highlight that there are some provisions that are Republican friendly, but that this is not the end of the line and that we have more that we need to do. And the three of us know that that more is pricing carbon and so um, we definitely have to get to, to work on that. Um, I'm going to pivot a little bit to Beth. Um, I only recently found out that you are a sleep specialist, and this is an issue near and dear to my heart because I love to sleep in a cold room. And in the winter, I open my window. It could be 30 degrees, 40 degrees. If it's 30, I might open it just a little. If it's 40, I open it a little bit more. My kids are always complaining and I pull the Jimmy Carter, like put a sweater on every time. Another, here's another blanket for your, you're not sleeping in my room. You have your own rooms. You can have whatever, you have space heaters in your rooms, but I like a cold room. The reality is that um, we're seeing nighttime highs now. So we're not just breaking daytime high records, but we're breaking nighttime highs. And you are going to tell our listeners the impact climate change is having on our sleep. Yes. So I recently learned that the definition of a heat wave, it's not how hot it is at during the day. It's actually whether the temperature falls at night because we need it to cool down at night to restore ourselves, particularly to sleep. I thought that was a very sleep-centric definition of a heat wave because it reflects how we need it to be cooler at night. And you're absolutely right. If it's too cold or too hot at night, it's going to affect our ability to sleep. And right now we're dealing the summer every day in Nashville, every single day since June. It has been hot. It has been, and everywhere, in the 90s, uh, some places in the hundreds, and then at night it just isn't really cooling down. What um, what I tell people is it's kind of a double whammy because I love to exercise and run, and I can't go out and run unless I do it seven seven thirty in the morning, and that's not always possible given my given my schedule and my work, and even at that time it's hot. Yeah. So we're seeing that sleep, which is dependent on it being cool at night, and also dependent in some ways on getting good exercise during the day so that we will be able to sleep at night, is being impacted. And this is not a good thing, because when we don't sleep well, we're actually more grumpy and grouchy and apt to send that nasty email or tweet, particularly as Bruce said, outside of our echo chamber, right? (laughs) Uh, Or commiserate with people in our echo chamber about how awful the other side is. So it's, it's, it's almost like climate change. You know, you have these tipping points and everything gets worse. Well, with heat, it makes us not sleep well. We're sleep deprived. We're more irritable. And then we get even more polarized because we're so sleep deprived. I was going to say, there's a very economically interesting aspect of that as well. 
Uh, there's a lot of work that says that as heat waves become more predominant, the GDP drops. Hmm. And there's a definite correlation between our ability to do work and the heat waves. And in parts of the world where we count on third world or second world producers to produce stuff, if they can't work and their productivity goes down, then our productivity goes down because we use their products to build our economy. And uh, That's so true. That's an example of a hidden cost that we don't talk about, but it's being investigated by scientists. Yeah, there are so many reasons to solve climate change, right? Whether you look at it from an environmental perspective or a health, public health economy. Um, So, so many reasons why. So hopefully as you continue your work, your good work um, to host, facilitate these conversations from, um, from both sides of the aisle, people will find those comp the, the one that they are most worried about. And that can be a link point between folks. If there is anyone listening who would like to participate in braver angels or CCL, how can they get involved with both of those endeavors? Well, uh, we have a braver angels action team in CCL and we'll put, we'll give you the link for that. Uh, we also suggest that you join CCL. Uh, a fringe benefit of that is if you can get to Washington, we'll help you get in front of your member of Congress. And that is a life-changing experience. If you've been, especially if you're out in the Midwest someplace mm-hmm. and conservative and you suddenly get a chance to talk to somebody that's going to listen to you, you'll go back to Iowa or Minnesota with a new spirit of, yeah. of our Republic. And I think that's, very- that's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be able to talk to your lawmakers. That is a tenant of uh, the foundation of our country. And so I think when you can bring those voices to Washington, because it's harder probably for the members to get home and have those conversations, um, then, you know, they get to hear somebody back home really cares about this and we need more of those people speaking up. Well, and Chelsea, the braver angels, if people don't want, um, or I shouldn't say don't want, I can't imagine anybody not wanting to join CCL, but let's say they're already in multiple other climate groups. Mm-hmm. You can still join Braver Angels. In fact, you can participate even if you're not a member and go to basically learn, learn how to talk to your family about anything, climate change, any other issue, contentious issue facing our world right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's really covering all issues right now. And there's plenty of issues to cover. Uh, and you'll learn the skills for bridging the divide, uh, for the polarizing within. Uh, it's a wonderful organization. And I'm so appreciative that you wanted to feature today. Well, let I'm me so- add that uh, Braver Angels, or I, when I do, I just did tabling for Braver Angels at Farm Fest. Uh, and one of the points I always make is, you know, you know that uncle that gets up on the soapbox at Thanksgiving? We've got a skills workshop specifically for how to depolarize in your family. It's really, it's really fun. So, I, you know, always trying to find some extra hooks to make people think about hanging their head on. You know, um, Catherine Hayhoe has an uncle who does not believe that climate change is real. And she talks about this both um, I saw her read her book um, in person in December, and she might even mention it in the book that it does, you know, she can send him whatever reports on climate change. He doesn't read them. And so we all have a cranky uncle or somebody in our network and <laughs> having those skills so that, I mean, that was really dismissive of me, right? To call it a cranky uncle. Um, so <laughs> learning how to talk, learning how to, to not denigrate people and to um, 
find the commonalities really, really such an important part of, of what you do and what I do. And I'm just so happy that you're out there and that you agreed to be on the show. Thank you so much for your time and your passion and everything you do. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Peter Santoscano, host of Citizens Climate Radio. We highlight people's stories. We celebrate your successes. And together we share strategies for talking about climate change. We do all this by hearing from some pretty surprising climate advocates. We feature politicians, preachers, and poets. Citizens Climate Radio is designed to inform you about the many ways people are addressing the causes and impacts of climate change. Subscribe and listen to Citizens Climate Radio wherever you get your podcast. Price, it's August. Wait, I guess it's been August for a while, but it's really hitting me that summer is like over. Your kids are back in school, right? My kids have been back in school for two weeks now. They started two wow. weeks. Yeah, I know. It, it's not cool when you're going to meet the teacher in the month of July, but it's just <laughs> a move to year-round school is essentially what uh, my county and area is doing. So, yeah, we've been back at it. Um, and, is you know, I, I was thinking yesterday is when you mentioned August, you know, I was looking around and watching the weather and reading a couple stories. I'm like, man, so far so good. We haven't had that, uh, you know, major tropical storm, major hurricane. God willing, we yeah, don't but have. Yeah, you know but, those things come later in the summer. Yeah, fall, usually so. right about mid, mid-August. mid My wife and I got married. Um, our wedding anniversary is coming up August the 20th. And it was uh, what, I think right after we got back from our honeymoon, um, the Katrina, that we experienced yeah. Katrina. Uh, it's been a long time, um, but it, it just, it, I guess, you know, for, you know, things happening in our lives here and, you know, it always kind of is a, is a reminder that, okay, once we get to mid, uh, mid-August, mid it's, uh, all right, brace yourself around here because in the upstate yeah. of South Carolina, we've, we've had some close calls. We've had a few of them that have come ashore uh, maybe in the Gulf and end up, you know, passing right over us over the last, like, really two years. But hopefully, um, this will be a quiet one. But uh, as we all know, the intensity of these storms and the frequency, they're not going down. They are not. They definitely are not. And, um, you know, that's why we, you know, I have really struggled with how to speak publicly about the Inflation Reduction Act because, you know, I think it's our own dear Bob Inglis who says, give Americans an option and they'll take it. Right. And so that felt like the real only option to get some climate progress, to make some climate progress, even though it's not our you know, company preferred method. And so I did celebrate that passage. But what I didn't celebrate price and which was the subject of today's um, podcast episode was the lack of bipartisanship. And I, you know, I can see the fault on both sides for that. Right. Um, I understand that it using budget reconciliation is an extremely partisan reaction, but the Senate's sort of hamstrung by the inability to get 60 votes. So I don't know. I, I'm feeling conflicted that that was not a bipartisan effort, but I'm, I'm glad to see that we got something in the books and we just need to build on our work from there for sure. Yeah. It's really like it's, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but it's, it's, you know, some, on the right called a cram down you know it's basically just it i mean is it within the rules it certainly is but it's it's kind of like the nuclear option in some ways you know you're to get what you want you're going to do what it takes and it's not a bending of the rules um 
like I think the nuclear option is. We can, <laughs> yeah, maybe we could debate that. It, maybe you disagree with me, but you know, using reconciliation for something that you know is this important, and you know, like Bob said, he would he would vote against it if if he were in the House. But there's some good things, but by and large, you know, the way you go about getting uh, these good things is just it, it's just not the way you want to do it. Um, well, I think what it shows is just kind of how broken our system is right now. And um, so hopefully braver angels can help us fix some of that brokenness. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it was good to have them, uh, you know, trying to, you know, talk, um, you know, from from both sides to try and bring come together, um, you know, with bipartisanship on on key issues, especially climate. But yeah, like you said, I, you know, I, that's probably the only way you're going to get anything done is the way it was done, you know, last week that uh, President Biden has, is signing today, being Tuesday, August the 16th, as, as we come out. But appreciate uh, the Braver Angels for, for joining us there in this segment and for this interview, Chelsea. Way to go. Good job. Yeah, I really enjoyed getting to know them. And wow, talking about the sleep stuff with Beth, like I am a, you know me, Price, I like my window open when it's 40 <laughs> degrees outside. I don't care. I want to be cold at night. I want to be buried under blankets. So summer is really dreadful. And I guess there's like some comfort in knowing I'm not the only one, which is a terrible way to look at things. But um, yeah, no, I think um, I just saw another report that said the nighttime lows for July were at an all-time high in the month of July mm. that we just experienced. So, um, yeah, not good. Not yeah. good price. Yeah, so I, give I can. Good I, news. Give us some good news. I, I can just really echo that real quick just by seeing what our electrical bill was for, for this past month or, you know, for this last cycle. And it's it was the highest it will probably be all year. It wasn't quite 200 bucks, but it was darn close. <laughs> So the good news is it should not, it usually peaks right around uh, this time. So hopefully it won't, it will not be that high again. Um, let me give you some good news. Um, some new new members who have joined with us, Lee B. in Maryland, Libby T. in Washington State, David N. in Minnesota, uh, Alice L. here in South Carolina, and then Garrett A. in California. I appreciate them. We had uh, other new members, but those are just a sampling of ones that we just randomly chose to shout out. Uh, and we will shout you out uh, if you are a prospective new member and you have not joined and you do so between now and this next recording uh, next week. Uh, we would love for you to stand with us, republican.org forward slash join. It really takes all the seconds. Um, we, we really do not, we do not spam your inbox. We do not overload you uh, with emails. Um, we, limited engagement, but when we're coming to the area uh, that you live in, reside, work, you will know. Um, we just get you information and we send out, uh, you know, some questions where we want to hear from you. We want to get your feedback. We want to get your uh, information, how you're feeling and what you think. So we would really love for you to stand and, and join uh Join us at Republican.org, especially especially if you are a conservative. Right. And, you know, here's the thing. We all need more. Um, we all need more community in our life right now. And we are a community. So come be part of our community. Please join us. Be part of the Republican eco-right community. Uh, Chelsea, what do we have coming up next week? Coming up next week, Price, we have, and I, so we had a little rearranging of the schedule, so I may have said that this was this week's episode, but um, former Rhode Island Congresswoman Claudine Schneider is going to talk to us about her old days of being in Congress and the bill that she worked on on that at that time in the late 80s, early 90s to mitigate climate change. 
All right, looking forward to that. Uh, we will get out of here on that note. Don't forget, remember, hit that uh, subscribe button, Apple Podcast. That seems to be the favorite uh, method of choice to get the Eco Right Speaks Spotify if you are not an Apple user. Or you can go to our website, republican.org forward slash podcast. You can listen to every episode right there. A myriad of ways that you can get the Eco Right Speaks, but would love for you, you to hit subscribe so you get that new episode delivered to your inbox, phone, um, uh, tablet, laptop, whatever it is, wherever it is that you listen, uh, get a new episode delivered right to you every single Tuesday. But Chelsea, until then, stay cool and And just enjoy August because it's flying by and we're going to be Labor Day before we know it. We sure are, Price. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.